Well, amen. Good morning, Four Points Church. Isn't God's love great? Overcomes all of our fears, overcomes every obstacle in our lives. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Shannon, you can leave this, uh, this hanky here. I might, I might need it. I might just preach. <laughs> well, guys, before we get started today, I want to let you know that on the 28th of July, we're going to be having a baptism Sunday, okay? We're going to have uh, preaching and worship, uh, but we've got some folks who need to get baptized, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret I know. Some of you have given your lives to Jesus, and you haven't been baptized yet. So here's what I want to say to you. Number one, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I won't have you stand up or make fun of you or anything like that, but let me tell you why we get baptized. Is that good? All right. When you give your life to Christ, what you're doing is you're saying, God, I give up on me and I give my life to you. And the Bible tells us that that decision is like dying and coming back to life again. Okay. So here's why we baptize. Here's, here's why we dunk people under the water and we bring them out of the water. It's the way that Jesus was baptized. It's the way the Bible uh, tells us to baptize. But it's symbolic of your death and your resurrection. It's symbolic of the old person being buried and a new life uh, coming to life in Christ. And I don't want you to be afraid of that. I want you to sign up on the 28th if you haven't been baptized um, since you've given your life to Christ. Maybe you got baptized as a kid, but you didn't really make that decision until later. If that's the case, you need to be baptized again because baptism is for believers, not for pre-believers, right? Not for people whose parents thought they should have been baptized, right? Baptism is a decision that you make when you've given your life to Christ. And guys, more than anything, it's a celebration, <laughs> Like we're going to have a good time and we're going to celebrate. In fact, two of my, my two sons are going to get baptized on the 28th. Whoop, whoop. They're like looking away from me right now. Like don't draw attention to us, dad. You know, but he, parents, here's what I did. I didn't go to my sons and say, hey, when do you want to be baptized? Hey, don't you think it's time to get baptized? Right? I didn't do that. In my heart, it's like, you know, I've probably prayed a salvation prayer with my boys 10 times, you know, like anytime they've wanted to pray to just make sure they knew the Lord, we prayed that. But I waited for them to come to me and say, Dad, I want to be baptized because then I feel pretty sure they know what they're doing, right? And there's no pressure, but they want to be baptized and I'm proud of them and I think that that is great. So if you haven't been baptized yet, Please sign up. You can sign up on the card and just let us know the card in front of you, and we'll get you, we'll get you ready for that. We'll call you and all that, and we are going to have a good time celebrating with you. So this morning, who's ready to talk about being better together? Okay, I am. I am. Three of y'all are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're all waking up, aren't we? I've had like three cups of coffee, and I feel like I'm just getting started, okay? But go ahead and turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. We're still talking about being better together. We're still in the book of Philippians. So Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Today I want to talk about stress. Anybody here ever feel stressed? Raise your hands, arms, and legs if that's you feeling stressed. Guys, put your gut in the air if you feel stressed. No. Um, truth is we all feel stressed. And here's the thing, guys. I, I think our society, the people around us, 
are becoming more and more and more and more and more and more stressed. In fact, statistics would tell us that almost everyone around us is overwhelmed with stress. So I want to I read some statistics to you. Don't fall asleep. They're going to point to something bigger. But here's some statistics from the American Psychological Association in 2014. So I want you to go ahead and think to yourselves, these statistics are from 2014. Phil was looking for the most reliable source he could find, so he found a good one, but it's from 2014. And just, guys, I believe it's compounded since then. Okay, so what I'm about to tell you, I think it is a little bit irrelevant because I think that there's more stress now than there was five years ago. But let's look at some of these. 77% of people regularly experience physical symptoms caused by stress. 77%, that's more than three out of four of us right now are feeling physical symptoms because of stress. So this is beyond like I just feel stressed to like I'm so stressed that I'm starting to feel sick. I'm starting to get headaches. Like I'm having physical symptoms, anxiety from stress. 33% feel like they're living with extreme stress. Now, 33% doesn't sound like a lot, but that's like one in three of us feel like we're living in extreme stress. 76% of us feel like money and work are the leading cause of stress. Is that you? Stressful job, stressful mortgage. 48% are lying awake at night due to stress. Listen, almost half of us today aren't sleeping because of the amount of stress in our lives. 48% feel there's a negative impact on their personal and professional life. You just feel like you can't be yourself. You just feel like you can't do your job the way you know it should be done because of the stress in your life. 54% said stress has caused them to fight with people close to them. And don't talk to Corey. I'm, I'm, I'm in the 54%, right? But don't we? Don't we feel overwhelmed with life and we get a short fuse for our kids? We get a short fuse for our spouse, a short fuse for our parents, a short fuse for our siblings. 26% feel alienated from a friend or family member. So this is like over one in four of us is at a point with someone else where we're so stressed, we just, we feel like we've lost the relationship. I mean, are you there today? Some of you right now, you are. And you, you can think of that person or persons that the anxiety in your life, the stress in the relationship has caused the relationship to not be there right now. And the annual cost to employers for stress-related healthcare and missed work is $300 billion a year. We are a stressed out society. All of us. And you know what? In 2017, and I think this is the same today, the top two things everyone's stressed out about? Money and politics. People are feeling overwhelmed because of money and politics. The last one, guys, we don't even have control over that but it's keeping us awake at night, right? Many of us feel overwhelmed, but we don't want to admit it. It feels weak, right? It feels weak to tell somebody else you're stressed out. 
This is difficult, especially for some guys, man. They feel like they're, if they say they're stressed, they're talking about their feelings, and that's like breaking the code of men to say, I'm feeling something. But you are. Or some of, some of you, you can't even see it. You've been under so much stress since you were a child, you don't know what life is like not stressed. As foster parents, we learn that our kids come to us, and many of them are in survival mode. Fight or flight, 24 hours a day, looking for something to go wrong, looking for someone to hurt them. And maybe today you're here just surviving. One of your struggles is you don't have long-term goals in your life. And the reason you don't have long-term goals is because you just want to make it to tomorrow. Can you feel it? Are you there? And here's what compounds the problem. The stress in our lives leads us to make bad decisions. When we're stressed out, guys, we don't make good decisions. (laughs) We make emotional decisions. We make decisions based upon how we feel, not not upon reality or things that we know to be true or we know to be right or common sense sometimes. I've made some decisions that we would all say those were stupid. Probably was an emotional decision for me. So here's a quote I want you to remember. I heard it from Andy Stanley, actually. The road to bad decisions is paved with emotional appeal. The road to bad decisions is paved with emotional appeal. We want to buy something because we're jealous. We just want to make it out of a situation so we neglect or we run. We're just tired, right? We're overwhelmed. We just quit. You know, sometimes people come to me and they say, Phil, I I just, in my marriage, I don't know what to do because I just don't feel like I love them anymore. Do you know what I say? I say, listen, I get it, okay? I get it. We're all emotional people. But here's the truth. Love is a decision, not an emotion, Do you know you can make yourself love someone and then you'll feel it? If your spouse is treating you like absolute crap, try this, try serving them anyway and your your heart will follow your brain and will start to feel love for them. Are your kids about to make you pull your hair out? Serve them and you will love them. Guys, when we're stressed, we get to a point where we allow our feelings to lead our decisions and we never want that to happen because we make bad decisions. So we're stressed, we make a bad decision, so we're stressed, we make a bad decision, we make more bad decisions and pretty soon, guys, we are overwhelmed with stress because the bad decisions just make the stress worse. We begin to feel like we're going underwater. And it's not long before we feel like we're sinking deep. My family and I, we like to go to a place in Tennessee called Wilderness in the Smokies in Gatlinburg. Have you ever been there? Gosh, none of you. (laughs) You've probably been to Great Wolf Lodge. That's like the one like it, but better um, and more expensive. Um, But we go there. The first time we went there, you know, And uh, we had saved up and we went, you know, and the concierge, you know, she told us, you know, if you go to this meeting about a timeshare, we'll give you one free night at 
wilderness in the Smokies, you know? And uh, I remember thinking, oh, I'd rather pull all of my teeth out and swallow them than go um, to that meeting. My wife, who's much more fiscally responsible than I am, you know, she's like, we can sit through a meeting, right? Let's sit through a meeting. We get a free night, you know? And there's free childcare for this meeting, which is a double bonus, right? Win-win. So we go to this meeting, and by the end of it, we both want to pull our teeth out and swallow them. But you know what I'm talking about? It's high pressure, right? The salesman is good at their jobs. They're like, this deal is for today only. Today only, 120% off. You know, like, like, sign up today. You'll regret it the rest of your life if you don't sign up. And do you know there are entire companies that their only job is to get people out of timeshares? Did you know that? You hear the commercials sometimes. If you're sunk deep in a timeshare, just call us at 1999. This sucks. And then you can. <laughs> and, and, and they find a way to get you out of it, right? And some of you have timeshares and you're loving them. And that's great. I think that that's awesome. This guy should not have bought one. I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't, right? I spent too much money at the gas station on food um, to, to be able to have a timeshare. Um, but like, you know, we, we, get, we get that emotional appeal and we feel like we have to bite, but sometimes we bite and we regret it later, right? Or maybe you're meeting with a builder for your house, man, and the builder's like, if you buy today, free granite, you know, and you're like, man, this is about $50,000 out of my budget, you know, but I get free granite, right? And so you do it. And then like later on, you're like, crap, we need to downsize. This is not um, going to work out. Here's another time we make emotional decisions. Have you ever told someone what you really think about them? <laughs> like there's been something stewing under the surface for a while and finally you're like, like you just like, this is what I really think. Or maybe worse, you sent an email, right? And, um, <laughs> but the problem then becomes, you know, you have to like avoid them at Target or Walmart because you're going to see them again. Um, or at family reunions, whatever it is, or at home when you get home from work. <laughs> you know, we also make these kind of decisions in dating relationships. This is for you guys. Sometimes people get so afraid of being alone, they settle. Right? This, this is so annoying to me. <laughs> Sometimes I see pretty, godly women who just get tired of waiting for a godly man. And they say, you know what, maybe this one's good enough. And I think, how did that buffoon get her? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's because, it's because some of these guys need to get their big boy pants on and ask you on a date. That's the real problem. But uh, I was traveling a couple weeks ago, and we were watching, I like watching reality TV when I'm in the hotel, and we're watching Drugs, Inc. Anybody watch that show? It's on National Geographic. And they like, all the cops in the room are like, yes. But we... They, they go behind the scenes with drug dealers and you get to see like what it's really like for like drug dealers. And there's this guy on there who's like hooked on drugs and he's stealing from his parents and he, you know, he doesn't want to change, but he's got this girlfriend who actually works a really good job and, you know, he begs for money from her and she gives it to him and he goes and buys drugs and she's like, you know, I have to give him the money for the drugs. I'm afraid he'll go somewhere else if I don't. And I, I'm thinking to myself, dump that guy. <laughs> What are you doing? You need to run 100 miles an hour from that dude. He's not trying to change. 
And you're footing the bill. You're just enabling him, right? But for her, it's an emotional decision, right? She's been dating him, I don't know how long, but she cares about him and she's hoping, right? You know, when you're married, it's a different picture. But like when you're dating somebody, you don't have to, you don't have to marry a drug addict who is taking money from you. So don't, don't, don't let it get to that point where it becomes something that you're going to wrestle with the rest of your life. And God, God will walk you through that if it comes to that. But it's these emotional decisions. It's these decisions under stress. Because when we get tied up emotionally, we can't, we can't see clearly. We can't make confident and healthy decisions. You know, in the series we have coming up after this one called The Daily Grind, we're going to address decision-making specifically, and I'm looking forward to getting a little more into that. But here's what I found. The key to a successful life is finding your source of inner peace. The key to a successful life is finding your source of inner peace because when you are at peace on the inside, you're prepared to make right decisions. And sometimes, guys, that peace is not going to come from everything is okay. Because more times than not, everything will not be okay. But we have to have an inner source of peace that can carry us through whatever life is like. So in in Philippians chapter 4, Paul says some things that readily apply to us with our stressed out lives. I'm going to begin reading halfway through verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I love this part. The Lord is near. We could stop there. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, which is just asking, with thanksgiving, meaning, God, I'm asking you for something I already know you're going to provide. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends or is beyond your understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. These things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, Paul says, or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So here's the first idea I want us to know and to think about, and we already know it. Stress is real. Stress is real. I love how Paul begins that that passage of Scripture. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And by the way, if you didn't hear it the first time, rejoice. Rejoice. Like Paul was saying that because he knew that the people who were hearing it needed to hear it. But here's the thing we don't always realize is that Paul also needed to hear it. It's like Mr. Miyagi said this from Karate Kid. Anybody remember Karate Kid? Mr. Miyagi said this. This is not scripture. This is Mr. Miyagi. He said, teacher, teach best what teacher need learn most. Right? That's what Paul is doing here. 
Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2. Listen to what Paul says. See if you can identify. He says this, Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We've exploited no one. So what's going on here is Paul is kind of making a defense to the people in Corinth. There's, must, there's some kind of a conflict going on here. Some kind of conflict that's making them question Paul. And he says, look, guys, don't close your hearts up, okay? We haven't exploited you. We haven't used you. We haven't done you any wrong. Verse 3, I don't say this to condemn you. So he's not trying to make them feel guilty. I've said before you that, I have, that you have such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. Hello, community. That's what community is, by the way. That's what church is. That's what makes us better together. Verse 4, I have spoken to you with great frankness because I take great pride in you. I'm greatly encouraged in all of our troubles. My joy still knows no bounds. For when we came to Macedonia, we had no rest. Remember me talking about people who couldn't sleep? But we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. Listen, Paul struggled with anxiety. This conflict going on in the Corinthian church had Paul staying up at night. Had Paul not able to sleep. We tend to think of the guys and girls in the Bible like they were superhumans, but they were not. They were just like you. There's a story in the scripture of Paul preaching and this dude falls out a window and dies because he fell asleep. You know, Paul might bore us if he was standing here. I don't know, <laughs> right? I don't know, but I know he was human. I know he screwed up. I know he didn't get everything right all the time. But God spoke through him a perfect word that we read. But Paul had conflicts and Paul had inward fears that kept him up at night. Because Paul dealt with stress and anxiety, just like us. Because everyone deals with stress and anxiety, and more people than not in this room today are really dealing with it. Some of you are like, you're speaking my language. I'm speaking my language. Stress can be unreal. Here's the thing, when you, are, you and I are not battling fears and anxieties, we actually see God for more of who he really is. Right? When life is good, we tend to think God is good. When we don't have conflict, we tend to have more peace. But here's the problem. The more we give fear a place in our lives the more we, we, we give in to the stress and we allow fear to find a place, it begins to build a wall between us and God. And the blocks in this wall are lies. They're lies like God's not a good father. You don't know if God's going to really take care of you. You better run while you have the chance. God's not in control. If things are going to get done, you better do it yourself. Are you tracking with me? And the more lies we believe and the more fear we give into, the higher this wall gets. Now, I want you to know that God has, doesn't move. He's still right here. 
But we find a way to build a wall here. If even in our perception and the more bad decisions we make and the more fear we give way to, the higher and higher and higher and higher this wall gets until we feel like we can't see God anymore. We don't believe that God is present anymore. We don't believe that he's interested or involved. You, know, you may be here today, I'm talking about God being a father. I don't know what your father was like. Even if you had a great father, he still screwed up, right? But you may not have had a dad at all. Or you may have had a father who worked so much you never saw him. Right, so for you, you've got blocks in your wall saying, you know what, God doesn't come home till late. He doesn't want to talk. Or you had a dad who beat you over the head with the word, and so you're like, you know what, if I talk to God, he's just going to condemn me. Or maybe, maybe your father was never in your life. He abandoned you, and you think, God doesn't even want me. And we build these walls because of our fear, and eventually we start to feel isolated and alone and hopeless. Maybe you're not at that place right now, but listen, if you give way to stress and fear, you'll get there. That's where that road goes. Stress and anxiety, the road leads to despair. We've got to find a new way forward. So let's talk about the good news. Stress is not real. This is what Paul says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Guys, that's so hard <laughs> to not be anxious about anything. Somebody says, hey, you don't have to be anxious about anything. That's like them speaking French, right? Maybe you speak French, so Spanish, right? Like, you don't understand, how does that compute? How do I not be anxious about anything? Well, it's very hard, but here's the truth this morning, guys. Even if you feel stressed, you don't have to. Even if you feel fear, you don't have to. You don't have to. We don't have to be anxious for anything. Sometimes we think if we're responsible people, we'll be anxious sometimes. No. If we're responsible people, we'll trust that God is who he says he is and we'll be anxious for nothing. That's what he wants. God says, look guys, I've got this. What are you worried about? What is it you think you're going to do that I can't do? That's what God is saying. He's saying it nicer than that. But it's hard. You know, one of the stories where I see this come through in the Bible is King David. Anybody remember this guy? Killed the giant, killed Goliath. Or some boy's favorite part is after that when he cuts off Goliath's head and shows it off, okay? That thing must have been heavy. Dude had a big head. But David had accomplished great things. And then Samuel the prophet comes to him, anoints him as king. But before David can become king, the current king Saul goes nuts, like bat junk nuts, starts trying to kill him. And so David is like running around, hiding in caves, trying to get away from the problem. And at one point, in 1 Samuel 27, 1, read, listen to this. But David thought to himself, you ever thought to yourself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. Even David, and he was not a weenie. This guy was a strong guy. 
But in this cave, running from King Saul, he thought to himself, you know, at some point Saul's going to win and I'm going to lose. At some point Saul's going to get what he wants and he's going to kill me. Even King David doubted, but listen, he didn't need to. He didn't need to because God had given him a promise. And in 2 Samuel 5, we see David become king. And all of the things that Saul tried to do to stop that, none of them worked. So here's the truth this morning, guys. God's got you. It doesn't even matter how you feel about it. If you feel like God isn't there, that won't change the fact that he is. If you feel like God can't provide, that doesn't change the fact that he does and will and can. If you feel like God is weak and you're strong, God is still strong. The promise God gave to David wasn't dependent on David thinking right. It was dependent on the God who made the promise. Have you ever seen like on TV or like on a stage when they have plays and musicals? I've never been in a musical, thank the Lord. But they do this really cool thing where they, make, they, make, they can make a wall out of styrofoam or wood and paint it to make it look like it's stone. You seen this? Like you're like, man, that looks real, you know? And then you're like, mm, 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 mm. and it's like, that's not stone, right? Um, guys, this is what your fears are like. You and I give way to fear and we build this wall with these blocks until the point where it seems like we're underwater. It feels like we're overwhelmed. We think we can't get over that wall, but really it's just a styrofoam wall. As intimidating as it looks, it goes over just this easy. Because God has gone nowhere. It's a lie that we believe that we've become isolated. You know, someone told it to me this way. Like, you know, when you give your life to Christ, you become a child of the king. And as a child of a king, you have all the rights and privileges. You're living in the mansion. You have all the provision. You have everything you need and all the protection. Now imagine a child of a king walks into the palace, sits down on the floor, closes his eyes, and starts to believe that he's in a cave all alone. He will feel like he's in a cave all alone, but is he? No. All of his imagination didn't change the fact that he was a child of the king. And some of us are living like we're in a cave when we're living in the palace. You're living like you've got no one to have your back, but God has your back. He has your front. Psalms puts it this way. He's got you hemmed in before and behind and all around. We just have to open our eyes. We just have to push down the wall to see the truth. You know, I was at The Wave, which was our youth, uh, you'll have a little video later you can see, where we went to uh, Daytona. Where I was just so lazy. Watched reality TV and went to the beach and hung out with teenagers. Um, but in, in like the month, month leading up to that, Shannon said, you know, Phil, we don't have a bass player. Would you play the bass? You know, and I used to play a lot of music. I used to play music all the time. But you're going to tell how old I am when I say it's been like a decade since I really played 
But I was like, sure, sure, if you need that, sure, I'll do it. Shannon, I'll do it. I'll play whatever you need me to play. But I've asked her a couple times before that, did you find another bass player? Is there somebody else to play the bass, right? But it didn't happen. We got there. And I was a little nervous because I hadn't done it for a while. But then we start getting into the songs, and the song, the song starts rocking out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a child of the 90s. I'm a child of the 2000s. This guy knows how to rock out. So we can, we can rock out. And I started to feel more free, right? Worshiping God, I felt more free. And here's the truth. When you see God for who he is, you can just rock out and leave the enemy behind. You don't have to live in fear. You can enjoy yourself. Because no matter how you feel, in the end, you win. God's promises aren't dependent upon how you feel about them. They're his promises. He sees them come to pass. And here's the last thought. We're about to get practical. Right thinking promotes right feeling. Right thinking promotes right feeling. Here's what Paul said. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Guys, anxiety has a lot to do with what we choose to think about. Good or bad what we choose to think about. Let me give you some examples. Um, I am a musician. I like to play music. And so I like a lot of different kinds of music. If it's done well, I like it. If it has guitar solos, I like it more. I enjoy music. I'd be lying to you if I said, this guy's always listening to Christian music. Actually, it's probably 80% not Christian music and 20%. You know, I listen to all kinds of music. I love the blues. Like, give me some Muddy Waters. Give me some B.B. King. Like, I'm living in the zone. But what, I, what I've come to realize, man, if, if time goes by and all I'm doing is just satisfying my musical nature, my heart starts to feel a little bit empty, like there's something that's not being filled up. Like what I'm depositing is not helping me spiritually. So I'm not going to draw a line this morning and tell you to only listen to Christian music. I'm not going to do that. You know why? Because trees don't have to say Christian on them to glorify God, and neither does music. God gifts everyone. But in my life, I'm not preaching, I'm preaching to me. In my life, there's a tension. And I need to be aware that the things that I pour in affect the way that I feel. And sometimes I need to dial into music that's going to encourage me spiritually. It's going to pour into me spiritually. Or maybe it's things that you watch on television. I love butt-kicking movies. Like, give me Jason Bourne and Liam Neeson any day of the week, right? Act of Valor, my favorite all-time movie. I love that stuff. But man, if all I do is watch butt-kicking movies, there's like, there's like this sense of anxiety that raises up in me. There's this intensity that's just always there. You know, and I have to kind of dial it back and be like, okay, I need, to, I need to pour something else in for a while. I need to focus on something else. Or I'm not going to stand up here and say, if you don't have five minutes in your quiet time with the Lord, you're an unspiritual person. But when we don't spend time with the Lord, we feel it. We don't, we don't have the tools we need to battle the fears inside. The more we know this, the more we talk to God, the less we fear.
the less we're afraid of. And it's not about legalism. It's just about dialing in to Jesus. Being intentional to dial in with Jesus. Being intentional to realize the things that God is doing in your life every day to show you he loves you. Something interesting that happened this week is at Four Points, we sometimes get people who walk in off the street. Some of them have normal requests. Some of them are strange birds, man. I'm not, not sure what to do with them until they leave. But this week we had a guy come in and I walked out to the door and I'm like, hey man, how's it going? You know, can I help you? And my first thought was this guy's gonna ask for something, you know? But he did and he told me that he had just gotten his CDL down the road and he was on his way to go start a new job and he felt that God told him to stop in here and pray for us. So I'm like, prayer don't hurt. Sure, you know? So he's like, well, let me pray. So he puts his hand on me and he starts praying and guys, it's intense. He starts praying and I just put my hands out like this. I'm like, God, I just will receive whatever it is you have for me. Next thing I know, this guy is trembling and he's praying in the spirit. He's prophesying things like there's been some changes at your church. But God wants you to know that he's going to grow your church in amazing ways. I'm like, how do you know that? What you talking about, Willis? He's praying. He's praying in the spirit over me. And I feel it. I'm just like, yes, Lord, whatever. It is. Do it. He's praying. He prays his way backwards out the door. <laughs> he goes out to the car. He's praying next to the, the car like this. And then he goes in his car and he drives away. He never even told me his name. But I felt like God later on, he told me, so I sent that guy. Because God had something he wanted to say to me. God wanted us to be prayed for. Thank God for the people. You know, sometimes God's going to speak to you through another person. Sometimes you're supposed to be that person. Maybe you're supposed to drop in on somebody. I could tell he was nervous. He's probably thinking, what's this dude think about me coming in here to pray for him? But once he started to pray, he did not care anymore. And I received it. Stress has a lot to do with how we live our lives. Do you know you choose to be busy? I choose to be busy. If you ever go to the mall with me or we're somewhere walking around, Austin can tell you, or at a conference or something, this is my walking pace. You know, my kids are like running to catch up. This is also how I drive. And you know this. But sometimes I get up in the morning, I'm feeling stressed. I have to make a decision. Like, I'm just, I'm going to walk slow today. I'm going to drive the speed limit today. I'm going to do some intentional things to slow the pace of my life. Because I feel like things are going really quick right now. And I need to slow it down. You know, you don't have to check the news every five minutes. Some of you need to pull that Fox News IV out of your arm. <laughs> or CNN, or whatever it is, right? Do you, listen, guys, do you know how 24-hour news companies make money? By making you anxious. 
Because the more anxious you are, the longer you watch, and the longer you watch, the more ads you see. 24-hour news would not exist. I wish we'd go back to like 10-minute reels where they have carnival music in the background. Like that would be my favorite, like the 1930s. You know, ba da ba 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 Today in the news, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, that would be great. Give me 10 minutes. But I get, I get pulled in just like you. But most Americans are stressed out because of politics. And you can vote and you should, but you're not going to change that today. You got to give stuff like that to the Lord. Don't give way. Turn off the news. You're not running for president next, next year. You don't have to know what, everything going on. Right? Stress has to do with taking responsibility where you don't have authority. Do you know you can't control people? There might be someone stressing you out, but you can't control them. You can't control your spouse. You can't really control your kids, not their hearts. You can't control your boss. You can't control people. You can pray for them. But you, we try to control things that we can't control. We try to ha- take responsibility where we don't have authority. Stress has a lot to do with discontent. Maybe this morning you feel like, man, my life is just not what I always wanted it to be. You're stressed out because you feel like you're not good enough. You feel like you didn't do it all right. I want you to write this down. Discontent is measured by the distance between your expectations and your reality. Discontent is measured by the distance between your expectations and your reality. Now I want you to write this down too. The bridge between your reality, where you are right now, and your happiness is the gospel. It's not you having that thing. It's not you getting that promotion. It's not that person leaving you alone. It's not that trial going away. It is the gospel. It's the truth that God has promised to forgive you. That God has promised to love you. That God has promised to provide for you. That God has promised to protect you. Those promises are on his shoulders, not yours. And we can be content, not because of our circumstances, but because of who he is. And lastly, stress has a lot to do with taking care of yourself. You know you're like a car. Cars have gauges, right? You have a fuel gauge. You have a temperature gauge. Like if your car is about to blow up, usually it will tell you that something's wrong with it. Right? And your life is that way. If you're not sleeping enough, you can't make good decisions. If you're not sleeping enough, you're not going to be able to battle fear the right way. If you're not eating enough, you're not going to be able to battle fear. If you're not in community enough, that's why we're here, guys, so we can talk about stuff together. We're better together. When you have someone to share with, you have someone to help carry you through the tough times. And I want you to remember this. No decision needs to be made before you have time to pray about it. No decision in your life ever needs to be made before you have time to pray about it. 
Because you might feel underwater and you don't know what's next, but God knows what's next. And like Paul said, he's near. And if you make your request known to him, the peace of God will guard your heart. So talk to God about it. The key to a successful and happy life is finding the source of your inner peace. Remember we talked about that? Finding the source of your inner peace in the gospel. Who God is. What Jesus did for you. What Jesus does for you. That's who you are. That's what makes everything all right. No matter what life looks like. Your relationship with Jesus and that he paid it all for you, that's the thing that levels everything else. So here's the invitation. Today, give your fears to Jesus. Whatever you're afraid of, if it's something happening in your life, if it's somebody in your life, if it's just anxiety and turmoil inside, give your fear to Jesus. Give your situation to Jesus. If it's at work or at home, wherever it is, school, give it to Jesus. You might be anxious to start school in August. Give it to Jesus. Give that person to Jesus, that one you can't control, remember? Give them to Jesus. And lastly, give yourself to Jesus. You might be here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus. There's just something inside of you that doesn't want to surrender. You're saying to yourself, I believe God's real. I believe Jesus died for me, but I want to be in the driver's seat. Listen to me. You cannot be in the driver's seat and go to heaven. If you are in the driver's seat of your life, you are driving straight to hell. Jesus does not want a piece of you. He didn't die to get the best part of you. He died to get the best and the worst and all of it. And if you don't give him all of it, he doesn't take any of it. Today is the day to surrender. Don't be foolish. Don't turn down the best thing that could ever happen to you. Whether you feel like you need a defender or not, you do. And God is your defender. For all of time, he proved in every way that he loves you. You know how? Because God loved the world so much that he sent his only son. That whoever believed in him wouldn't perish, but have eternal life. I've been there, guys. I've been that resistant person, but I'm not anymore. And I'm learning to live in the peace of God in my life. So here's the invitation as we begin to worship. I just want to encourage you to have a conversation with the Lord. Whatever the situation, whoever the person, whatever's going on, give it to him. We have a cross in the back of the room. In fact, I'm going to visit it. I have something I need to put down on there. I'm not going to read those because you're not putting them up there for me. You're putting them up there for Jesus. Write something down that you want to give to the Lord and just pin it up there and give it to him.
just give it to him. Father, whether we know it all the time or not, you're our good father. We know that you provided us another way away from stress and anxiety by trusting in you, and I pray that you would help us to always trust you. God, I pray that every burden in the room, you you would lift it by the power of your spirit. We would be set free. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.